Welcome back to After the Buzz of Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, I'm going to be joined by two people. First of all, I'm going to be joined by Thomas, aka Mr. Sideline. He's been on a lot lately. And then second of all, I'm going to be joined by Colin. He has not been on in a while, and he is back finally today. So the three of us today will be discussing, first of all, numero uno. We're going to be talking about the Brandon Cooks trade that the Texans just made a few days back. And then overall, we're just going to look at the moves that the Texans have made over the past eight months or so, since right before the beginning, since basically the Jadavian Clowney trade up into the Brandon Cooks trade. What is uh, Bill O'Brien doing? What are our thoughts to his madness? Is there some sort of is he just a genius in disguise or what is going on? And then we are going to each, we each, all three of us have a top seven quarterback rankings in the NFL draft. Me and Thomas talked about some of the top quarterbacks um, last episode, but we've done a ton of scouting and each of us have created our own unique top seven quarterback lists. So first we're going to get to the Brandon Cooks trade. So let's get to that. All right. So first, as I said, we are going to touch up on the Brandon Cooks trade um, in case you just forgot or didn't know, the Los Angeles Rams traded Brandon Cooks in a 2022 fourth-round selection to the Houston Texans, and in return, they received a 2022nd round pick. That is the 57th overall selection. Um, so I think most everybody can agree that the winner of this trade was the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Rams traded a receiver that, when I look at this from the Rams' perspective, I think they had to let a, a somebody with a big contract go. They had some serious cap struggles, and Brandon Cooks has a big contract. Not to mention, as much as Jared Goff, the statistics show he was better with Brandon Cooks on the field. They needed to probably let one of their receivers go, not only because they're cast space, but I think they want to move into more of a 12 personnel, which would have two tight ends on the field and two wide receivers as well, and then one running back, obviously. So that would be sitting Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. I think most of us can agree Brandon Cooks is probably the worst of those three. So I think it was the right move for the Rams to get rid of him. We could argue they could have got a little more in return than what they got, but overall I think this was a solid trade for the Los Angeles Rams. Some people may argue now they need to go out and get a third receiver, but one, I think they're in an okay spot, and number two, this is such a deep draft class for wide receivers. They can go ahead and pick one now. They've got a second-round selection, Um, so they can if they really feel like they need that third wide receiver, this draft class is so deep with wide receivers. Like, it is one of the better ones of all time, I will say. So, the Rams are in a good spot. Houston Texans, on the other hand, they make the boneheaded trade with DeAndre Hopkins that we talked about, and we'll touch up on, on a little bit in a couple minutes. And then they decide, you know what? To kind of make up for that, let's just trade for Brandon Cooks. This trade was not a very good one for the Texans. I think they're a, they get a little too much hate for this trade, but... You look at it, now their three wide receivers are Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, and what's his face, Kenny Stills. 
So not only does this trade put them in an even worse, first of all, before the DeAndre Hopkins trade, before Bill O'Brien went on this run of bad trades, this team was in a solid spot financially. Now both the DeAndre Hopkins trade and the Brandon Cooks trade has kind of put them in somewhat of a hole. And you're wide receiving core now. Your two top wide receivers are probably Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. Both of them are speedy, deep threats that are injury prone. So, although I do think it'll be an interesting dynamic to see two similar archetypes, like two deep threats, I don't think that's an ideal situation, but maybe it'll space out. I don't know what Bill O'Brien's philosophy is, but before I really dig into much about this, Thomas, what are your thoughts on this trade? And really, what do you think Bill O'Brien is trying to do right now? To be honest, I'm really, really not sure what Bill O'Brien is doing. I mean, with the Hopkins trade, it was just bad. It was awful. There's no way around it. They trade for a washed-up running back and some mediocre picks. It just—it really wasn't the smartest move. And I think, I think of it. I think he recognized that a little bit. I think after the backlash that he received by pretty much everyone, he realized, like, hey, you know what? That was a horrible trade. What the heck am I doing? You know what? I'm going to trade for Brandon Cooks to make up for it. And he just tried to go for this move. That was like, oh, maybe I'll bring in another receiver in hopes that, you know, everyone will, you know, start to like me again and start to say maybe I'm not an idiot. But then he ends up trading a second and a fourth for a wide receiver that hasn't Thomas. really been healthy or great in the past couple of seasons. Um, not only that, he's overpaid. And the picks that they traded um, were pretty high value. I mean, a second and a fourth. like They, that's, they that's only traded the second. What? They only traded the second. They got the fourth with Cooks. Oh, they got the fourth with Cooks. Yeah. Um, okay, my bad. But still. Oh, good. I don't think giving up a second-round pick for a washed receiver and a fourth-round pick is really solving the problem of not having DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. I agree. And it did feel like he was trying to make up for it. Not to mention, I think what makes it a little worse is they already basically have a mini Brandon Cooks on their roster. I personally like Will Fuller uh, a little more when I compare him to Brandon Cooks. I- I'm not saying Will Fuller is necessarily better, but... You look at it, Will Fuller is kind of a mini Brandon Cooks. They're both speedy deep threats, and they're both injury prone. Now you have two of those guys on your roster. It just it doesn't make sense. The one upside, I mean, personally, I'm going to be interested to see how they run their offense because when you have two, I mean, the two receivers they're going to be covering, you know, the defense is going to be paying attention to, really is going to be Cooks and Fuller. I think that could be an interesting dynamic. I think it's going to really space out the field for this team. It's going to leave Kenny Stills a ton of open space in the middle of the field. It's going to leave some of their running backs a lot of maybe running room out of the backfield. So I think Bill O'Brien, at the end of the day, this trade was trying to be a consolation prize for his boneheaded move um, in the DeAndre Hopkins trade. But I do think Maybe he's trying to open up the field a little bit. I really don't know. It's a stupid move, but Colin, what are your thoughts? I actually don't think this was as bad of a move as everyone thinks. Because of exactly what Aiden said, they have two speedy receivers. They can just put them on the side of the field, and that really opens up the middle for Kenny Stills, who I think is a pretty good wide receiver, and he didn't get to do much last year because Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins 
that's a pretty deadly duo. But I think this will be an underrated receiving core. But at the end of the day, you can't give up a fourth. You can't give up a second for Brandon Cooks in a fourth. Like, I, I don't really see how that's a good trade. You're, you're basically just adding cap. When it's not that good of a move. And for the Rams, I think I like this move because they can get Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett in the game at the same time, along with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And I think that's a pretty good receiving core and a lot of people for Jared Goff to throw the ball to. All right. So we're going to kind of circle back now to last summer. This was weeks before the regular season started. The Texans went on and made some moves. August 8th, 2019, they traded their third-round selection, 90th overall, to the Browns for Duke Johnson. This was viewed as a decent move for the Texans. They get themselves a good receiving back um, to pair with Carlos Hyde. And I didn't I didn't mind this move, to be honest. Uh, then they traded a sixth-round pick to the Patriots for Keon Crossan. Nothing big there. Uh, they ended up trading uh, Martinez Rankin to the Chiefs for Carlos Hyde. So they did trade for Duke Johnson before they did Carlos Hyde, but I think they had that move in the works for a while. Um, and then September 1st was the day where they really made their big moves. To start the day, if you remember, I remember this day very vividly. At the beginning of the day, they traded Jadavian Clowney to the Seahawks for Jacob Martin. Uh, Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin. I can't talk. Jacob Martin, Barkevius Mingo, in a third-round pick. People bashed on this trade. I wasn't a fan of it either from the Texans' perspective, even though I'm actually a big Jacob Martin fan. I think he's very underrated. This just wasn't a very good trade at all for the Texans. Then they went out later in that day and decided, hey, this trade maybe wasn't the best. So later in the day, they go ahead and they trade their 2021 first-round pick, 2021 second-round pick, Johnson Batamosi, Julie Julian Davenport, and another 2020 first-round pick to the Dolphins for Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, a 2020 fourth-round pick, and a 2021 sixth-round pick. This was a huge trade. And overall, it was looked at as a win-win for both the Dolphins and the Texans. The Texans laid it all out on the line, put all their eggs in one basket, and decided we're going to go ahead and get a great uh, not a great receiver, but a very good number three receiver in Kenny Stills that will really help round out our receiving core. And we're going to get um, Deshaun Watson some protection by p getting Laramie Tunsil. I mean, that's a great left tackle for them. And it was just helped out Deshaun Watson a lot. You get him another weapon. You give him more protection. It's clear, though, that Bill O'Brien, the heat from the media gets to him. The Jadavian Clowney trade wasn't viewed as a good one at all. So what do you know? Hours later, he goes ahead and puts a trade together, a huge trade to try to make up for it. And it worked that time, but then he said, all right, if it worked the first time, I'll try it again. He makes the DeAndre Hopkins trade, was not looked at as good at all. So he goes ahead and days later, goes ahead and makes a move for Brandon Cooks to try and make up for it. It did not work this time. Bill O'Brien, when you're an NFL GM, you need to handle the heat from the media. He just can't do it. It's clear he he when people bash on him for making a trade, he just panics and throws some trade together to try to make up for it. It worked the first time. Uh, and I could argue the Laramie Tunsil trade was in the works because I don't think you throw together such a big trade in minutes like that. But I don't know. What are you, Do you guys have anything you want to pitch in? 
I think I might know what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to maybe just get himself fired at this point. I really, I really just don't understand like why any of these moves are happening. Like, why was there a need to go and get rid of DeAndre Hopkins? No one knows. It, it seemed perfectly fine. You just made the playoffs. It was, I don't know. Thomas. Yeah, it, I have to agree with what Colin's saying. None of this really makes sense. The Texans should have had a relatively quiet off season, and for whatever reason, they were like, "Oh, let's you know trade a top two receiver in the league, and that'll that'll make our team a lot better." So I, to be honest, I don't really think anyone knows what Bill O'Brien is doing at this point. Well, um, we get two first round picks for it. Jalen Ramsey got it, traded for two. Exactly. I, I think it's. I think it's absolutely mind-blowing what he's been doing and not in a good way. No, not at all. And then just to kind of put the icing on the cake, it's clear the Texans don't believe in their abilities in the draft. I mean, we all know they have not been very good in the draft of late. Yeah, I mean, I think they've been a little too hardly bashed on. They did pick Deshaun Watson. Uh, Will Fuller depends on how you view that one. They picked guys like Jadavian Clowney in the past, which – the Clowney trade was a little questionable. I'm not trade. The pick was questionable as well. He's a great player, but he's very injury prone. So, but they're just trading all of their assets away, and yet they're doing it again. Like, do the Texans really just not care about the draft, or just what is it? Like, I understood maybe last off season deciding to move on from some of the picks and decide to bolster up the roster and really try to contend. But now it's like, all right, last season. What was their record here? I believe it was, I thought it was 9, 7, 10, and 6. They won the division, right? But And it all kind of paid off. They won a round of the playoffs. Um, but then you look at it like they also at the trade deadline last season, they traded their third-round pick for Gary and Conley. It's clear they're just giving up all their assets at this point. And I think it works to a certain degree, but this team is giving up all their assets besides the DeAndre Hopkins trade. The Hopkins trade they got – uh, a good amount of picks. Uh, they got two picks, two pretty high-valued picks. So besides that, though, it just seems like they're really just wheeling and dealing assets, and I just don't know what they're doing at this point. I, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say, but I think I've touched up on what I want to touch up on. I'm really just curious to kind of see what they're trying to do with these picks because it seems like they would be rebuilding, but normally a rebuilding team would look for picks. But they're dealing away all their picks and just getting a bad roster. Like, I don't understand why these moves are happening. And he should be trying to go get picks if he's going into a rebuild because his team can't actually win a Super Bowl. That's just my thoughts on it. All right, so I think we've touched up on everything we want to on that topic. So now we are going to get to our top seven quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. So let's get to that. Okay, so each of us have come up with these lists. We're going to each start at number one. I think I really do hope we at least have all the same picks. I don't know what their lists are, but I really hope we just are all on the same page for number one uh, if we're not. But my pick's Joe Burrow. I think this is uh, relatively really simple. He's going to go first overall. He's going to Cincy. It's as simple as that. He's just the complete package at quarterback. I think the only really negative thing you could say about him was he was a one-year wonder. Um, Maybe 
like against in the Auburn game, he was only okay instead of spectacular. But really, like there, you have to do some serious nitpicking to find a negative in this guy's game. Who knows? Maybe he goes to the pros and since he screws up his whole career, maybe he goes to the pros and he just doesn't have it. Maybe he was truly a one-year wonder. But just from what we've all seen, it, it it's clear this guy's just got to go number one. He's clearly the best quarterback. Uh, any disagreements? No. Oh, not really. All right. I was really hoping we were all on the same page there. Yeah. All right. Number two, I think we all have the same pick as well. We're starting to creep into more controversial territory, but I I still do believe we all have the same number two pick. My number two pick is Tua Tagovai, however you say his last name. I still can't pronounce it. He's probably going to go in the top 15. Some potential landing spots I see for him are Miami, Los Angeles with the Chargers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I could potentially see him falling out of the top six. That's definitely a possibility. Top 10 even. Um, He's going to go either five to the – I look at it this way. He's going to go five to the um, Dolphins. He's going to go six to the Chargers. He's going to go nine to the Jaguars, or he's going to go – uh, 13 to the Las Vegas Raiders. That's how I look at it. It's going to be between those four teams unless somebody else trades up and makes a move. I I, I like what I've seen. A lot of people think Tua may have the highest ceiling when healthy. Uh, he may be the best quarterback in this draft class. Some people will say that. My prediction, though, is I just can't say that because after all the injuries he suffered, one, he's proved he's injury-prone. I'm not a huge fan of injury-prone players. They're they're, they're not very reliable. And second of all, I think this injury is going to set him back a little bit. And what I've seen on film, I just think Joe Burrow's a little better than Tua. He's He uses his legs really well. He's got a decent arm. There's not a ton of negatives about him. The biggest negative is his injury risk. That's, that is. There's some other negatives about his game, but at the end of the day, his biggest negative is the injury concern. Uh, but I could see him, due to the injury concern, Falling out of the top 10, potentially, I actually wouldn't be shocked. Um, I'd be a little surprised, but not shocked. I'm kind of anticipating that because there's always a couple crazy things, either crazy picks or players falling, and I could definitely see Tua falling. I also kind of see Tua having some sad story in the NFL where he just injuries surreal his career. I could really see that. He may have some games here and there where we see some flashes of what he could have been, but I could see us 10, 15 years down the road watching a documentary on ESPN about how Tua Tua's career was just derailed by injuries. But since that's just a prediction of mine, I still have to put him at number two. Uh, thoughts? The way I see it, Tua could be – he could definitely fall out of the top ten because – of how many West Coast offense quarterbacks there are in this draft. It just there there's so many to choose from and one of Tua's actual really big strength is his athleticism and how he his ability to extend plays. I think that if he keeps getting injured that ability will go away. Yes, and I agree. the only thing that I have left really is his quick release. And his crisp passing. My only thing with the West Coast offense, though, is that, yeah, there's a lot of West Coast offense quarterbacks in this draft, but two is better than all of them. Yeah, he is. So but... that's that's all I have to say. But, Thomas, what are your thoughts on this number two spot? 
Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with two being there. I The thing is, I he's either going to go top six or he's going to fall out of the top ten because I can't see maybe the Panthers make a shocking move and take a quarterback, but that's the only team that I can really see outside of the top six but still inside the top ten taking a quarterback. But even then, I doubt they're going to do it. Uh, so, personally, I think two is going to go to the Dolphins, whether it's five or at number three if they trade up. Um, just to be safe for the, the Lions, uh, but yeah, that's just my opinion. Well, I, I mean, the Panthers did just sign Teddy Bridgewater. They still have Kyle Allen. They still got Will Greer. Yeah, I know we really struggled last year, but there's still maybe something there. I doubt the Panthers take Tua just because they just signed Teddy that big deal. But the Jaguars, although I think they may be the least likely destination out of the Raiders, Chargers, Dolphins, and themselves. Uh, and I don't think the Jaguars by any means should take Tua. I I'm not a like a, I'm not a huge Gardner Minshew guy. I don't mind him, and I'm not sold that he's a franchise quarterback. But I think he deserves the second year. But I'm not the Jacksonville Jaguars GM. I'm not saying it's the most likely thing, but I wouldn't sleep on the Jags taking Tua at number nine. Do I think it's a high probability? No, but I I would not sleep on it. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, number three, this is definitely where things get controversial. One of the biggest debates of the draft has been Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. Which quarterback are you going to take? Maybe Thomas. Thomas said he's got some wild uh, thing up his sleeve, so maybe he's got somebody else at number three. But my number three selection is Jordan Love from Utah State. One of the biggest boom or bust quarterbacks in this draft, um, in one of the biggest boomer bust players in this draft, but he's definitely the biggest boomer bust quarterback. Everybody knows that. Jordan Love has shown Patrick Mahomes esque talents. I mean, his cannon for an arm, his ability to make some magical throws at time. He has shown that he could be a mini Patrick Mahomes. I've said my ceiling and floor for this guy is he could be a Duke to Patrick Mahomes. So basically, like a slightly lower tier Patrick Mahomes if he really reaches his ceiling. But his floor is probably Blake Bortles at his very worst. Maybe it's even a little lower than that. So the thing with Jordan Love is it's it's really he's a fascinating prospect because he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league or he could be an absolute bust. Like he could be terrible. And I all no matter what, I think at the end of the day it's going to matter about which these couple things. First of all, where he lands. There are a couple places, like, there are a few teams on this list. Like, I think if the Dolphins select Jordan Love, he's busting. Um, but if, like, the Colts pick Jordan Love or the Saints, maybe the Steelers, the Patriots, or the Buccaneers, like, those places he has a really cha- good chance to succeed. Second of all, how do they develop him? Do they really take their time to sit down with this guy and watch a lot of film with them and really spend a lot of time with him and and really recognize how much potential they have with Jordan Love there. And number three. Uh, what was my number three point? Uh, I just forgot. Oh, yeah, how much patience they have with Jordan Love. Jordan Love needs the Patrick Mahomes treatment. He needs to sit for at least one year. He needs to sit behind a veteran, smart veteran quarterback, learn from him. He needs to uh, probably have a good head coach as well. Each team may not check off all those boxes, but he needs to sit for a a minimum of one year, maybe two. I mean, if you're a team picking Jordan Love, you know you're not getting a day one starter. That is not the thing at all. He shouldn't even – 
go on the pro football field in his first year. I'd even argue his second. Like, this guy's going to take a lot of developing, but when it comes down to it, uh, I just don't think Herbert will ever be a great quarterback, so I'd rather just take the risk with Jordan Love. Um, And I think he'll probably go relatively early first, like probably 12 or 13 is the highest he'll go, and then he could fall anywhere between the – mid to early first and he could go anywhere as late as the early second round. But Thomas, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, my number three is going to be Jordan Love. Um, I've decided that I, I'm pretty much kind of sold on Jordan Love in terms of his potential. I get it. There's a lot of work to be done, but I think if he is drafted into the right system with a with a crafty offensive coordinator, I think he can really be successful. I'd love to see him go to a team like the Saints. Um, that might be a little bit of an interesting one, but Drew no. Brees, you know, I don't know how many more seasons he's got left in the tank. Um, and they just lost Teddy Bridgewater. So I'd really love, you know, to see Jordan Love sit behind a guy like Drew Brees, who's so great at what he does and such a great quarterback throughout his career. And I think that that, that he would really, really benefit uh, from playing behind a guy like Breeze, who has been so successful in his career. But I am gonna I'm gonna take the boomer bust prospect Jordan Love over, you know, anyone else in this quarterback class. I agree with you one hundred percent. Now Colin, who is your number three? Right on point with you guys. I got Jordan Love. It all depends on what team drafts him though, because I would love like Thomas, I would love to see him go to the Saints. Just because I don't feel like Drew Brees will play three more years. In two years, if Jordan Love sits out two years next to... um Behind Drew Brees. Yeah, behind Drew Brees. And their offense is so good. Like, the Saints' offense is so creative. And I just really think if he sits out two years and watches a lot of film, he could be very, very good. All right, so we're all in a – I was a little surprised. I thought one person would um, go Justin Herbert or I would be the only one going Jordan Love there, but I was surprised we all agreed. But at number four, I'm going with Justin Herbert out of Oregon. I'm not a huge fan of him, to be honest. I've seen some great things on film. Uh, I love the fact that he can read defenses, like, really flawlessly. He played in a pro system at Oregon. And usually those two things really sell me in on a quarterback. Like, last year, I was pretty sold on Will Greer as the sleeper quarterback in the draft. Then he came in to the NFL, played for the Panthers, really only played some garbage minutes through no touchdowns and four interceptions. So it proved to me you need to be a little more, like, Two of the biggest things for me are how do you read defenses and what system did you play in in college? I can always, you can always coach up a quarterback to, you know, play in a pro style system. I don't think that's a huge thing, but really, could, can you read defenses? If you can read defenses in college, you're already off to a great start. And I already kind of love you. But Justin Herbert, I mean, Will Greer kind of proved to me not every quarterback that can read a defense nearly flawlessly and comes out of college already with pro system experience ends up succeeding. And Justin Herbert, he may end up being a decent quarterback, but I don't see him ever being really over average. He reminds me his leadership qualities. He leads by example. Don't get me wrong. He's great. He's really smart. He leads by example, but his leadership qualities remind me so much of Marcus Mariota where yeah, two really good kids. They're both went to Oregon you know, two really good kids, but I don't think they have the dog in them. You know, the, the 
guy that's going to fire up your team and really just get hype uh, if you got what I'm saying. And I just don't think he has that in him. And that concerns me a little bit. He's also relatively inconsistent in college. He struggled towards the end of the year. And at the end of the day, the reason I take Jordan Love over Justin Herbert is I don't think Herbert will ever be that great of a quarterback. If I'm going to go for a quarterback, if you tell me option one, you've got this quarterback who, yeah, I mean, his floor, I'd rather take the quarterback in most scenarios with the higher ceiling and the lower floor than the guy with the higher floor and the lower ceiling, if that makes any sense. Because, you know, the floor doesn't matter. If your floor is a backup, I'm not looking for a backup quarterback in the first round. Both these guys' floors is a backup quarterback. Both of their ce- uh, But their ceilings are different. Justin Herbert's ceiling, in my opinion, is potentially a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I really just see him probably being at best a slightly over average quarterback at very best. Jordan Love could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I'm taking Jordan Love over Justin Herbert. Uh, and then my draft projection for Justin Herbert's top 15 potential landing spots, Miami Dolphins, Los Angeles Chargers, Jacksonville Jaguars, Las Vegas Raiders, same as Jordan Love. Uh, or Tua. I No, yeah, same as Tua, not Jordan Love. Jordan Love's were totally different. But Thomas, what are your thoughts on this number four spot? So, we got Jordan Love at three, right? And, you know, you were talking about how you don't think Justin Herbert is going to be an above-average quarterback ever in his career. He played in the pro system in Oregon, but you just don't think he's ever going to be really great. I'm going to go even farther than that, and I'm going to say that he's not even going to – he could maybe, maybe be average in his career. And we don't like average around here. So, at number four, I'm not going to take Justin Herbert, and I'm going to go Jacob Eason from Washington. I have watched the film on Jacob Eason. I really like him. I know a lot of people, you know, aren't too high on him, especially considering that he got beat out from Jake Frong. But just from everything that I've watched, I like Jacob Eason. I like his potential as a pure pocket passer quarterback. He's 6'6". Uh, he's got a really good frame. He's got pretty good field vision. His accuracy can definitely use some work. Um, and he's still a little bit raw just in terms of being an NFL quarterback. But I love the way he throws the deep ball. He likes to go forward a lot, and he just when he hits it, it's normally on the money most of the time. He still struggles a little bit sometimes with throwing the ball in front of his receiver and rather where they are in that moment. But I think a good coach will be able to fix that um, and maybe you know patch up his instincts a little bit. But yeah, Jacob Eason is going to be not my number four quarterback. Wow, that is a hot take. I can't actually say I necessarily completely disagree with you, to be honest, though, as you're kind of talking. Like, when I look at Easton, the guy's got a super strong arm. He can use that like it's a cannon. Like, he uses that to his ability. Like, he's able to throw the ball into some tight windows uh, at times. He's got a great deep ball, as you were talking about. But it's really a double-edged sword, too. Uh, wide receivers have complained about how tough it is to catch his passes. You know, maybe that changes in the NFL when his receivers are better. Um, And I just don't think he has the touch on his throws at all that is necessary because he's constantly looking to zip the ball. I see the potential with him. um, And I definitely think it's something that can be fixed. Again, he's got a lot of potential. uh, But I was going to say one more thing on him. Oh, yeah, also – there was this statistic that I saw, and 
this is this really doesn't matter like a whole a whole ton, but there was a list of about 10 quarterbacks, like 10 of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But when I looked at Jacob Eason, they looked at like 10 of the better quarterbacks that were entering this draft, I mean, and they looked at their percentages when trying to throw the ball into tight windows. Jacob Eason had the lowest completion percentage out of those 10. He had a completion percentage of, I believe, 21.8% when throwing the ball into tight windows. It may have actually been even a little lower than that. Um, And that's just a little thing, but you definitely got to keep an eye on that. I see what you're saying with Eason. He does have a lot of potential, and I don't necessarily think I completely disagree with you. It's a hot take, um, and it's one that could definitely happen because in the NFL draft, these prospects – Never end up as they always seem, but for, I although I disagree, I definitely see where you're coming from. But that's my counter argument. For me, it was a closer debate between Jacob Eason and Justin Herbert than Jordan Love and Justin Herbert to me. But at number four, I have Justin Herbert, and the only reason I put him here instead of at three in front of Jordan Love is. Why does he have 10-inch hands, but out of his 43 career starts, he has fumbled 26 times? And was his peak in 2017? Like, because he hasn't improved since then, I, I, I don't think. Like Eason? No, Justin Herbert. Oh. He, he I was going to say, because Eason rarely fumbles. I would say that's one of the positives no. of Jacob Eason. He's got such a strong arm. He has such a good grip on the ball. And one of those positives is this guy hardly lets the ball go when he gets hit hard. Like, that's one of the best things about him. So I was going to say, I was just like, why are you I'm talking about I'm talking about, about Justin Okay, Hurt. yeah. And he fails to find the middle of the field sometimes. He, he I don't know what it is, but he, he just can't throw it in between the safeties and the linebackers. And that can be a problem in the NFL, especially because most routes do run through the middle. But I, I really do think he's a good quarterback. He's got a good arm, uh, good accuracy. Good, great stature and athleticism. Yep. And overall, just a good player. So, set number well, four for me. First. With, like, I was going to say, like, the thing with Eason, like, you were talking about how he doesn't really, you know, fumble that much. Just, I don't. Like, a lot of the negatives about Eason don't concern me as much as, like, the negatives of Justin Herbert do. I mean, like, you were talking about earlier, one of the negatives is is that wide receivers complain that it's hard to catch the ball because he throws it with such heat. That's not really as big of a concern to me just because, like, in the NFL, there's going to be bigger, stronger players who are going to, you know, either... They're not going to be like, oh, no, the ball, he threw it too hard. I'm going to start crying. Like, team, players in the NFL aren't exactly. going to do that. Yeah. Um, and, maybe, and maybe at Washington, you know, some wide receivers are going to complain a bit. Um, but I think that's definitely a thing that's coachable, as well as his, you know, inability to, to really throw, like, touch passes. I personally really like that ability, and it kind of – it's a little bit unfortunate that Eason can't do that because that's what I love about quarterbacks when they can do that. But – Again, I think those two things are pretty coachable, and I don't think there's going to be crying wide receivers in the NFL that are going to say, oh, he throws too hard. So I'm not too concerned about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, as I you know, I said the same thing, like, th- with the him throwing the ball too hard, as I said, like, at Washington that might be a problem in the NFL. It won't be, but I just figured I'd uh, talk about that. The touch is definitely a concern because I think to be a successful NFL quarterback – 
one of the bigger traits that you need. Uh, what did I? All right. Oh, it's still recording. Okay, my Chromebook just blacked out for a second. All right, no problem. We're back in it, but it's the touch. You you need to put like the certain touch on the ball. Sometimes zipping it in there just isn't the right. Uh, right thing to do and as you saw like when I brought up the percentage completion percentage when throwing into tight windows like it's clear he's not putting the right touch on the ball he he was the last set of like 10 quarterbacks at that statistic so that's a problem I think the touch is a little bit bigger of a problem but it definitely could be coached I also just think I don't really see Eason's game translating as well as maybe you'd see it translating into the NFL uh but that, that's all I've got to say on Jacob Eason. That, that, I, I completely understand that. I, I, it's definitely a hot take. Um, but I just think, I just I just really don't like Justin Herbert. I think that's what really what I don't really like him either. It's not even so much that, you know, I'm this big Jacob Eason guy. Yeah. I just don't, I'm not a huge fan of Justin Herbert. And I'll get into that with the number five. All right. So at number five, a lot, this is really one of my first hot takes. You may have found. Jordan Love, a little bit controversial of a pick of mine, uh, but this is probably going to be my most controversial pick on the list. At number five, I have Anthony Gordon from Washington State. I know people who love this guy. I know some people who kind of hate him. Um, this, I, I will say Jordan, Gardner Minshew's success in the NFL definitely gives me a little more confidence with this pick, but it's not like the sole reason I'm picking Anthony Gordon. I just see potential. I see talent with this kid. Uh, he, you know, his ability to use his legs is decent. He can make some good throws. His decision-making does need a little bit of improvement, but it's not like bad, like Jordan Love or anything. I think we can say the same about a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. Um, his slim frame does concern me a little bit for potential injuries, but he never got hurt in college. So, uh, that's a counter-argument, I guess you could put. His footwork certainly needs some work, but he just got the quick release. He's got arm talent. Uh, he Overall, he's pretty smart with the football. Again, his decision-making could use a little bit of help, but for the most part, he sticks balls underneath like really well. Like Slant routes, he's I wouldn't say perfect, but he's pretty close to it. Like He does those very well, and he doesn't take a ton of deep shots down the field, uh, which is kind of, you may say it's a bad thing. I don't look at it as terrible because he takes deep shots when it's the right time. You see some of these quarterbacks, like Jordan Love is constantly just taking shots down the field. And that's not necessarily a great thing. Like, you look at Tom Brady, greatest quarterback in the NFL. Most of his passes were 5, 10-yard passes. And then he'd take a, one or two shots down the field per game uh, when maybe the defense was trying to cheat up a little and he could catch them off guard. I think Anthony Gordon kind of brings that similar trait. He likes the mid pass. He does not necessarily like a four to five yard passer like Tom Brady. He's more of a guy who likes to do like, you know, 10, eight to 10 yard passes. But he's kind of like Tom Brady in the sense that he doesn't take shots down the field just to take a shot down the field. He's smarter with the football in that sense. And then when the defense starts cheating up, he'll take a shot downfield at the right time. Anthony Gordon, his his odds for success in the NFL aren't the best, but I think after the main top four, there there's really not a whole lot of potential after that. I still like Anthony Gordon. I'm going to stand by this number five pick. I think he's a sleeper in the draft. And for my draft rejection, he can go anywhere between the third and the sixth round, and some potential landing spots for him could be New Orleans, Atlanta, San Francisco, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay. Thomas, you want to do your number five pick? 
Yeah, yeah, I'll go next. And finally, uh, I got to put Justin Herbert somewhere on the list. And he's going to fall at number five. I'm not a big fan of Justin Herbert. I still think he has a little bit of potential. He's really athletic. He's got good size. But just as an NFL quarterback, I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not too high on him. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be great at the next level. I don't think his game really, you know, transitions well. People can point to the fact that he's had, like, a really pro offense in Oregon. Uh, but I don't know, just something about me, something about this guy tells me that he's not going to be great at the next level. Like you said, he doesn't have that dog in him. Um, and while like, he's got like a good arm and, you know, like I say, great size, he can loft and touch passes. Uh, his field vision isn't great. Um, he kind of needs to work through his progressions a little bit. Um, but overall I'm just, I'm really not a big fan at all. Colin, who's your number five pick? My number five pick is Jacob Eason. And honestly, I like Justin Herbert more because my comparison to an NFL quarterback with Jacob Eason is Josh Allen. And exactly what Aiden said, he's a double-edged sword. He throws it down the field. He's got a good arm. He's got a lot of confidence in it. But sometimes it's just not the right time to throw it down the field. He challenges himself to throw it into tight windows, which can be looked at as a positive or a negative because it ultimately does lead to turnovers. But it's a risk that some coaches like to see. It's just the willing of – it. just he needs to work on his accuracy a bit more. So, he, so when he does challenge himself to throw it into those tight windows, he makes better passes. So, overall, that's my thoughts on him. All right. All right, so now that is Colin just picked Eason as his number five, and that's going to lead me into my number six, Jacob Eason from Washington. Uh, I just went from Aaron Gordon, the kid out of Washington State. Now I'm going to Washington and taking Jacob Eason here. Uh, I already, I think, got out most. Aaron Gordon. I was about. Did I say Aaron Gordon? (laughs) Anthony Gordon. Whatever. Um, you know what I'm. My point. Um, Jacob Eason. Most people think he's a better quarterback than Anthony Gordon. I don't think that's an invalid argument or statement to make as, uh, by any means. I've already got it, as I said, most of my thoughts out on, on him as well. He's got some potential. I don't think he has boatloads of potential, but with his strong arm that can be a double-edged sword if some um, if some head coach can kind of cut out some of those negatives and use his um, strengths with his strong arm to hit to their advantage just as a team. He could work out um, some potential landing spots for him, I think, are the New England Patriots, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Atlanta Falcons, Green Bay Packers, and Las Vegas Raiders. I am going to the third round, third round to the fifth round, somewhere between there. I think most GMs look at him as the fifth best quarterback in this draft. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think Eason will necessarily translate Uh, as great to the NFL as maybe some may expect, and I just think he'll be a backup for a while. I could definitely see getting in there for some starts if his starter goes down, but I think he'll be a backup for most of his time in the NFL. If you want to go, you can go, Thomas. All right, I'll go. At number six, I have Jake Fromm from Georgia. Uh, I, you know, as much as I'm not the humongous fan of game managers, you know, someone who just kind of, you know, just comes in there and, you know, just kind of, you know, runs the ship, but, you know, it doesn't exactly impress anyone. I will take those guys over quarterbacks who, you know, try to do too much. 
and end up not being successful in the NFL. Um, he doesn't really have a great offensive skill set. I mean, his arm strength is just mediocre at best. He's not really going to be a running threat uh, in the in the pros, so I don't, I don't really see that happening. Uh, he led Georgia all the way to the national championship uh, last season, and he, you know, he was relatively accurate, uh, and he places the ball well, so he leads the receivers on pretty well. Um, he's confident. He's calm. He's a good pocket passer. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think he'll be anything spectacular. How you feel about Jacob Eason is kind of how I feel about Jake Fromm, uh, and I'm probably a little bit higher on him than most other people. I think he can be a great backup or a average to the low average starter in the NFL, and that's what you're really kind of getting with these, you know, six and seven guys. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts on Jake Fromm just quickly. Fromm is not on my top seven, but I'm starting to like him a little bit more uh, as every day passes. And he's starting to potentially maybe creep up uh, into my top seven. I'm not ready to say that just yet. Um, somebody else is at number seven. He's not on my top seven as of now, but that could definitely change. I'm starting to like him more and more. He is a game manager that could fit perfectly. I think, you know, ever since Tom Brady kind of came into the league, more and more teams are developing these this game manager type quarterback. They're not that bad, honestly. They're one of my preferred archetypes, if you will. And he'd be a great fit in a place like New England. Uh, and again, the skill set really isn't that great. His ceiling really isn't high at all. But he could be an okay starter. Um, and that's not terrible for a guy who's expected to go in like the sixth round. So I definitely hear what you're saying about Jake Fromm. Uh, but for the people that I've seen people put Jake Fromm at number three or number four on their lists, that is just absurd. I'm sorry. You know, maybe I'll end up being wrong. You never know with the NFL draft, but there's just no way Jake Fromm goes. It ends up being like the third best quarterback in this draft. I just don't see that. But Colin, who's your number six? My number six is Jalen Hurts. Really? Now, I know this is not a very popular opinion, but just the way he handled being benched was just amazing to me. He's a great leader. He has very good character. He's an athletic quarterback. He extends plays while rolling out of the pocket. He's a good thrower. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, he, he does have a couple of flaws, but he's a, he's going to end up being a pretty good quarterback and well-respected amongst the team and amongst the coaches, and I feel like that could put him higher up on the um, draft board than a lot of people think. Well, that's going to lead me to my number seven pick. I'm going to kind of counter-argue what you were kind of saying about Jalen Hurts. I love Jalen Hurts from a standpoint of his character, his leadership qualities. Um, he's a really hard worker. He's humble. Like, those types of things really make – and the fact that he's such an underdog story. Like, a lot of people are rooting for Jalen Hurts, but not every fairy tale story has a fairy tale ending. I'm going to tell you that much. Jalen Hurts is not just not going to be a successful quarterback at the pro level. He's got – you know, he's really um, – when I look at it, a product of the system. Like, he's a product of the Lincoln-Riley system. Lincoln-Riley covered up a ton of his flaws. His arm just isn't good enough to cut it in the NFL. His legs are good enough, but these scrambling quarterbacks, like, yeah, you could argue Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson became a better thrower this year. Jalen Hurts, to me, and Jalen Hurts does not have the running ability of Lamar Jackson. Jalen Hurts has 
his arm just isn't good enough for the NFL, in my opinion, and his running ability isn't enough for me to sit there and say, you're good enough to be starting NFL quarterback. Like that, his running ability is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not good enough. I just think Lincoln Riley covered up a ton of his flaws. He's played in a ton of different schemes. He's got a great story. I love that. I'm rooting for him, but I just don't see it with Jalen Hurts. I don't see him succeeding in the NFL. I don't think he has what it takes. I see him uh, being a, just a bit worse than Kyler Murray, in the, my opinion. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think he's going to be in his rookie season a little worse than what Kyler Murray? Offensive Rookie of the Year winner was. I mean, given Josh Jacobs probably should have still won, but you well, think not? Not like in Kyler like Murray many, and Jalen Hurts. Not it's like, not a terrible comp, but that's not really. That's not really what I mean. I mean, like he's gonna do the same things as Kyler Murray, just on a lower scale. Like what? he's gonna be doing the same things as Kyler Murray does in Arizona. Just like play not style? as good. What? What did you say, Thomas? Similar play style, like is that yes. what he's getting at? Yes. Okay, that that that, that at least somewhat yeah. makes sense. But I was gonna say, I don't even think Jalen Hurts will get that many games in. No. Uh, but my draft prediction for Jalen Hurts is a fourth to sixth rounder. Uh, potential landing spots would be the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and then also maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, or the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Thomas, who is your number seven pick? I just have one question. Do you guys like losing football games? What? Like, I'm, I'm being scared. Do you like losing football games? No. You don't? Then I don't know how the heck you somehow put Jalen Hurts on this list. I get it. You know, he's got a good story, and maybe he has a little bit of potential. There's no, I, there's no way Jalen Hurts is going to be a top six or seven quarterback. In fact, Who else is there, though? There's it, nobody else. There is nobody else, really. I mean, yeah, maybe I could have thrown Jake Fromm on there. I mean, yeah, but Jake, there is really, I mean, maybe the Morgan kid, but, like, I, there's just not really anybody. I'm not a big Jalen Hurts fan. I am pretty adamant about the fact that he will not succeed in the NFL. And I think I've made that pretty clear. So I think we're kind of on the same page here, but keep going. I will take, I'll take James Morgan over him. I will take Jake Fromm over him. I will take anyone over, over, not anyone, but I will take a lot of people over Jalen Hurts. I really don't see why this kid, he, I don't even think he should be a quarterback. I think if he was a wide receiver, he'd have more success in the NFL. His place, he's just a running quarterback with a bad arm. It's just that simple. And I know that's being pretty, pretty negative on him. And I like his story. I like the underdog and all of that. But there's a difference between an underdog and like turning out to be successful or just being an underdog and then still being underdog because you're trash. And that's what Jalen Hurts is going to be in the NFL. Straight trash, unless he changes to a different position. At number seven, I've got your boy. Um, uh, I got your boy. What's that kid? Oh, yeah, Gordon. Anthony Gordon. Um, he replaced Gardner Minshew as the starter in 2019. He completed 72% of his patches, passes, uh, had 48 touchdowns. Um, he had a three to one touchdown interception ratio, uh, which isn't awful. I guess if you put that into like a scale in the NFL, it's like throwing 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, which is really pretty good. Um, I like the Anthony Gordon kid. I think, you know, he, like you said, he doesn't really take a lot of deep shots. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he's kind of more like 
throws some throws a lot of checkdowns. Um, sometimes and relies on his receivers or his like running backs um, doing the pass catching to kind of do the work for him. But I still think his game somewhat translates to the NFL, and I think he's way better than whatever garbage Jalen Hurts is. And I agree, but. Although I think Jake Fromm and James Morgan, putting those two over Jalen Hurts is totally acceptable. That That's totally fine with me. And I'd, I've actually had debates and I've had thoughts that maybe I could really, really see Jake Fromm and James Morgan being better than Jalen Hurts for sure, 100%. Um, I, I've really started to consider that more and more over the past few days. But still, the fact that you take more players, like who else is there? Would you take Nate Stanley over Jalen Hurts? No, probably not. Okay. I just don't think there's anybody else. Like you said, and more people. I think you're hating on Jalen Hurts just a little bit. I don't think he'll be successful in the NFL, but you look at it. He is a great leader. That's got to be some, that's got to count for a couple points. And he's such a hard worker. Yes, he does not have a great arm. And yes, I don't think he'll be a successful NFL quarterback, but. He's a really hard worker, and he could really work at it with a really good head coach. You know, he gets Bill Belichick or Mike Tomlin as a head coach. You know, he lands with New England in, or Pittsburgh. I still don't think he'll succeed, but there's a chance. And I think you're totally shutting Jalen Hurts out when maybe you should at least just leave the door a crack open for the kid. Just at least. I don't think he'll be successful either, but. You know someone else that I will take over Jalen Hurts? Who? Cole McDonald from Hawaii. That's how low I am on this Jalen Hurts guy. Jalen Hurts I, I, is better I'm than him. Jalen Hurts. Cole McDonald from no. Hawaii over Jalen Hurts. No. Any, any, yeah. No. I, I, no, I just... the No. No. Go, go, look at, go look at Cole McDonald. I have. I've seen him. I don't... No. Cole McDonald is one of those third-string quarterbacks that end up playing Cole McDonald's ceiling, I'd be happy for the kid if he ends up being a third-string quarterback. He's going to either be – he's going to be probably go undrafted. Maybe he goes in the seventh round, okay? That's first and foremost. Second of all, when he gets that opportunity, he'll probably end up on a practice squad or getting cut. Maybe he ends up being a third-string quarterback, but I highly doubt it. He'll probably be a practice squad kid for a year or two, then he's out of the league. I, I hold my, That kid just does not show any signs of being an NFL quarterback. Jalen Hurts doesn't really show any. No, Jalen Hurts shows at least a few. Like, he's willing to work at it. Nothing against McDonald or whatever his name is. Um, I, He's so irrelevant. I don't to, to be fair, I think McDonald is going to be one of those Third string players for the Steelers that maybe plays one or two games and at least Jalen Hurts could be a backup quarterback. At least, at least Jalen Hurts could make a roster. McDonald's not making a roster. I don't. I extremely disagree with that. I just I'm looking at a site right now. Cole McDonald is projected to go anywhere from fifth to seventh. So that undrafted notion, you know, isn't. I, I looked I don't at a really site. I looked at a site today that said Jake Fromm was the third best quarterback in the 2020 NFL draft. You can't always rely on these sites. I'm not. I'm not saying I rely on these sites, but and I'm not saying I even completely rely on this one. But Cole McDonald is ranked over Anthony Gordon. Well, yeah, then you should click out of that site and find a new one. I, I just, I'm not not a big fan 
of Jalen Hurts at all. I don't see top six player. Don't see him being a top seven. Maybe top being the next Tom Brady. I don't think Cole McDonald's going to be the next Tom Brady. I think at his best, he will be a backup. But I don't even think Jalen Hurts should be an should be a quarterback. I think he could be a pretty good wide receiver. And if we're talking wide receivers, sure, maybe he's top fifteen. But quarterback, heck no. No, I, I, he at least he could be a backup. McDonald, he'd be lucky to make a roster for two years at max. Wait, you're like, telling me that Jalen Hurts is not a top fifteen quarterback, but he's a top fifteen wide receiver. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Wait, wait, wait. So where would your final ranking be for Jalen Hurts? Just off the top of your head. Off the top of my head? uh, Probably 9 or 10. Okay, so so you've got... All right, so that would probably... So that would mean... You'd either have him, you'd either have him at nine, slightly ahead of McDonald, or you'd have him at ten with McDonald over him. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. Nine, serious. nine isn't an absurd rating. Putting Morgan and Fromm over Jalen Hurts is not absurd at all. In fact, I kind of am starting to agree. Like over the past few days, as I've said, but once you start talking about McDonald being better than Jalen Hurts, you lost me there. Okay, I am. I'm half. I'm half serious about the whole Cole McDonald thing. I don't think he's going to be great, but I may take him over Jalen Hurts. Maybe. I'll, I'll have to read. More, I'll have to read more, up more on him. But all right, well, I'll get back to you on that because you seemed pretty sold on it five minutes ago. <laughs> um, all right, so I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. Still, I still haven't done seven. Colin still hasn't done number seven. We just got into a big debate. I felt like that was our biggest debate at number seven. So, Colin, go yeah. ahead. My number seven add fuel to the fire. None other than Jake from State uh. Farm. I'm telling you, this kid is a very strategical player. He knows where he's going to throw it to. He, he's got good ability to read the defense, nice accuracy. He's he's probably going to end – I'd say he's probably end up on someone like – he'd be good with someone maybe like the – they need to have good receivers, maybe – Philadelphia or like Chicago or something like that, where they have okay receivers, but um, he has good like he good vision of the field and knows where he's gonna pass it. You don't necessarily have to plan for him scrambling on defense or anything like that. He's not that athletic at all, but in my opinion, he's a pretty good. Quarterback that can read the field. Yep. All right. Fair. And if anybody has any final statements they would make before I end. Who's your number seven? My number seven was Jalen Hurts. Don't tell Thomas. <laughs> All right. So that I yeah, that's gonna wrap up today's episode. Uh, if you uh, haven't followed me on Instagram yet, go follow me at After the Sports Talk. Also, go follow Mr. Sideline on Instagram as well while you're at it for podcast updates and sports content. Also, go call in on the Anchor Mobile app. We haven't had a caller uh, in about a month or so, and while you are in quarantine, you can fill up some of your time asking me some questions uh, because I guess no one else has anything better to do. So that's going to wrap up today's episode. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time. Thank you.